0: Okay, today we have a joint service, children, youth, and adults, and I intend to deliver the best sermon of the year, which is a shorty sermon. <laughs> so, help me to do that, children. So, we while I'm preaching, we're also going to have an offering, and we prepare the special offering plate, which is uh, Texas Rangers. Now you see how much we prepare for our, you know, picnic, so let's pass around and whoever is ready. Okay. Oh, by the way, you first, you know, newcomer, you don't have to, you know, uh, don't, don't feel obligated. Yeah. The message for fourth anniversary Sunday comes from 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10 to 12. Let me read it for you. While Samuel was sacrificing burnt offering, Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and drew them into such a panic they were routed before the Israelites. The men of Israel rushed out of a mizpah and pursued the Philistines, slaughtering them, slaughtering them along the way to the point below bathkar And Samuel took a stone and set it up Between the Mizpah he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. This text is about the first victory of Israel under Samuel over their arch enemy Philistines. And this victory came almost accidentally, because Israelites gathered not for war, but gathered for worship, and then Philistines made a surprise attack. It was God's protection and providence that gave them a victory. And here is one important spiritual lesson I want all of us to remember, that is spiritual victory is always byproduct of our faithfulness to God and God's providence. Let me repeat that. Spiritual victory is always byproduct of our faithfulness to God. Israelite congregate to return to God and God protected them in their repentance. We don't seek victory first, we seek God first. And then God will add us the victory. This is a life principle. Everything we do, we seek God first. Whether it is a church, parenting, profession, friendship, relationship, marriage, we always seek God first, and then God will protect us, and the victory and all the blessings come along with. And after the victory, Israelites, in terms of having a short-term celebration, they decide to have a long-term commemoration by making a special stone to remember, and they call that place, that stone place called the Ebenezer, Stone of Help literally means, Ebenezer. I preached on this a while ago. Why do the Israelites always use a stone to remember God instead of flowers? Because the flowers fade away, stone remain. So they want to remember God's grace and help for a long time. Remembering is very important. Why? Memory matters to us because there is no identity without memory. You all know the movie Jason Bourne, the Bourne series, Jason Bourne? Jason Bourne was suffering from amnesia, and what's the problem with amnesia? Amnesia not only blocks our memory, but blurs our identity. To be a people of God means to remember what God has done for us. Christian church, we have a common remembrance. So today, in our fourth anniversary, I want to share with you Ebenezer of a Forest. Mm-hmm. Thus far, God helped our church to be here today. So those of you who joined our church in the middle of our journey, or even this year, or first time, this is our testimony how God has been, how, how faithful our Lord has been to us. So 2015 was our launching year. And the number one thing of the 2015 that we, we are grateful for God is uh, his answer to our prayer called the X-Prayer, X X-Prayer was a prayer for to find a place to worship. We initially started in the uh, living room of a member's house. After uh, first month, starting February, we decided to find a place where we, c- other than the house because Uh, We started with 30 adults and 20 children and then, you know, space is definitely limited no matter how big the Texas house is. So we had an X prayer. X prayer stands for uh, accessible, central, time-flexible, Sunday morning, and spacious. That was our X prayer. So after the first month of a honeymoon, we are all excited and uh, yes, yes, God will answer our prayers. Well, February gone by. Nothing happened. We called uh, all the schools, all the community centers, every uh, the hotels, and uh, you name it. All the available places we call. Then we'll then work hard on this. Dan Lee, you have to know Dan Lee because uh, the, this green shirt. Dan mm-hmm. will today will give an anniversary gift. So you have to be nice to him. And anyway, it's not his anyway. So but anyway. Then even hired a, a commercial real estate agent specialized for the church rental. And they didn't even give us a... I mean, there was a place, but cost us several thousand dollars that we don't have. So end of uh, February, I become a very desperate. And our prayer, my prayer list, was was very bitter. I was praying to God, God, you let Israelite 22 million people in wilderness for 40 years I'm leading barely 50 people, and we are not even f- able to find the one Sunday worship place. What kind of testimony can I have for you? So my prayer was more like a complaining prayer that, I, you know, for about two weeks. And lo and behold, something happened. You know how it happened? Sean Park, the one who prayed today. Sean Park's mother has a dry cleaning business in Frisco. And one day, one of the customers, who happened to be a member of a mission committee of a First Baptist of Plano, gave him a phone number that, to so the customer, gave the phone number of their pastor to their seamstress or dry cleaner. That If you know any church willing to, I mean, looking for a space to worship, this is a number to call. Sean's mother received that phone number on the paper pass it on to Sean Park. Sean Park gave to me saying that, Pastor Paul, I'm not sure about this, but here it is. I was skeptical. I called. There was a cell phone number of a senior pastor. He answered immediately. To make a long story short, he invited us middle of March, and then we talked. And two weeks before Easter, we had a first worship at the FPC Plano. And God answered our prayer by finding not just a, a physical facility, but faithful spiritual partner of the gospel. There's a reason Sean Park gave a thanks especially for the First Baptist Church of Plano. They are the role model congregation. This is a faithful, old, angle, you know, Uh, anglo-texas baptist they are decreasing the number membership is decreasing but they have a huge facility so they open up the facility to have uh, many other churches to use their facility so in that church they have uh, four other ministries beside us there's an arabic church hispanic church brazilian church and us they are our role model so one day when we are our own facility definitely we want to open up our hearts just like FPC Plano and then host other churches. Amen? That's 2015. 2016, we had our first funeral service at Forest. We had several funeral services in our church. And surprise of all, funeral service our church was not our parents or old people. The first funeral service was a baby who lived only 28 years old, 28 days, 28 days. Her name is Mia. Is the first child of Mo and Jinni. and I'm sure that there is a, no day that goes by that for them not thinking about Mia. Mia was born with a congenital heart disease. So, right, after, right at the maternity leave, uh, maternity uh, uh, work, she was uh, transferred to Children's Hospital in downtown Dallas, and she was in the waiting list for the uh, heart transplant. And then she was 28 years later, when she couldn't find the heart transplant, she expired. And we had uh, other two babies. Abigail, Aleman, and also Matthew, Mia's younger brother. And uh, what I learned, I have to say this. Mia lived only 28 days, but I think she left a lasting impact, at least for me. And I will also remember Mia every day, almost every day. You know why? Here is a baby, who lived every day of her life in the hospital, under the machines, and the doctors and nurses, you know, care. She didn't have a single natural day that you and I have. She never tasted ice cream. We don't know her favorite ice cream flavor. She never saw Disney movie. She, she, her whole life was uh, about the bare spiritual, I mean, Physical survival, and she passed away. And our funeral, I preached on the common grace. Christians, we believe there are two kinds of grace: common grace and spiritual grace. Common grace is a you know grace that God gave to everybody, natural life. Special grace is the grace of our salvation. Oftentimes, we evangelicals think the special grace, uh, gra- you know, that's a special, you know, that's a real grace. Common grace is a, more like a it came from almost like a mother nature. Through Mia, I learned that common grace is also a gift of God. Living every day without any concern, medical concern, major medical concern is a blessing and gift of God that I cannot take for granted. And then on that, on that her, her funeral, I challenged everybody, especially myself, that nobody has a bad day like a Mia. Any of our bad days are better than Mia's best day. So every time I go through the tough day, I always take it out the uh, this rubber brace band of a Mia and think about common grace. So take now take take a common grace for ser- I mean not for granted but seriously it is a God's grace. Amen. 2017 was a year of a struggle, particularly for me, because one thing I was very confident as a pastor is that uh, I did a, uh, my first ministry in California. It grew out of the cell ministry. We started with uh, you know, uh, six uh, cells, and then a few years later, it grew to like a 28 cells, and so I thought I knew much about the small group ministry. And we started a small group ministry, but our small group ministry was struggling mightily. For the first time, as a pastor of a forest, I felt maybe this is my limit, and God needs to find another pastor to lead the church. The resignation came to my mind because whenever I go to cell groups or our small group ministry, it's not working. <laughs> And then, Laurel, my middle daughter, she went to Rice a year before, and she was every week telling me about a house church that, house church this, house church that, you know, how much she's enjoying. She said the school, she she wasn't happy about the school, but the, the house church is the best thing ever happened to her. So I was, I was kind of a, definitely challenged. So... I went to a small pastor's retreat because the, uh, her pastor in Houston will be there in the retreat. So I went there, not for myself, but to just have a fellowship with him and to pick on his brain. And the Pastor Eric Sheen of a New Life Fellowship in Houston told me, that, oh, just come and attend our pastor's training and you'll get the full scope. Inside, I was very, very offended because... I was a nationwide conference attendee for the small group ministry. You know how many small group conferences I attended? Almost 20. East coast to west coast, south to north. I covered, if there is a small group ministry conference, I was there. And he is the one who saying, come to his uh, church's uh, small group training. But 2018, February, I went to the, their conference. And I was... I, God blessed me that I was able to find the missing 2%. What do I mean by missing 2%? Do you know the difference between monkey and human being? DNA-wise, is a 2%. 2%. One is a human being, one is a monkey. That 2%. 2%, one is a thriving in the house church ministry, the other is a dying in the small group ministry. And I found that 2%, I was really impressed. And uh, so we revamped and we retrained our house church, you know, our shepherds. And we rerunced our house church. We changed from cell ministry to house church. We rerunced it in, in, in Easter. And then what happened? Once again, we struggled mightily because summer came. In my previous ministry in California, or those of you from California, summer is a thriving time for ministry. We do more activities and more missions and things. In Texas, summer is a time of survival. (laughs) I didn't know. Texas summer weather affects spiritually. (laughs) Many groups didn't meet even one time during the whole summer. And then now I realize this is why many churches, they totally go different, you know, sort of ministry format in summer. They shut down the Sunday schools, Bible studies, other than few people going to mission, everything minimized. Even pastors don't preach sermons anymore. They bring the, all the guest speakers and in the name of a missions and whatever, they're out. I realize, oh my goodness, summer in Texas is a different. And then 2018, last year, our annual uh, retreat, forest annual retreat far, we intentionally created after the house church. So we invited four house church shepherds from New Life Church, and they gave us their personal testimony, and uh, many of us are blessed by that. So we said, "We need to try one more time." At the beginning of the, this year, many brother shepherds, we went down to the house. New Life Church for the house church training for the lay leaders. And they told me, Pastor Paul, now we got it. I was once again very offended. What do you mean? My (laughs) teaching was better than this training. Are you stupid? I'm sorry. That's very well. I was, uh, you know, are you dumb? And then they told me, You taught us theory. Here we saw praxis. We saw here how to ride on the bicycle. We tried on the bicycle. Now we know it. So after we come back, revamped. And uh, once again, Easter, we re House Church. And then you know what? 2019, we set several milestones. God somehow blessed many of you, some of you. We have a good number of you joined our church during this year. And the one milestone this year was uh, for the first time, in our church history, people who came after the first year, the, they now numbers, the founding members, ratio almost 2 to 1. According to my, I do attendance check, so I know whether you miss church or not. You know, until I cannot, you know, we're big, well, I'm checking. And uh, so we have uh, about 27 founding members. We have uh, a little over 40 non-founding members. It doesn't matter. We are all members of the church. So now, God gave us uh, a momentum, and we are really grateful. And among the momentum, I want to bear God's grace. God answers prayer that uh, people, young people came to our church, people in 20s and then early 30s. I'm sorry. I don't want to ask you to raise your hand. Year old, I mean, two years ago, we don't have uh, singles in our church. We do have a singles. This is a God's blessing. So we are really excited that God has been so gracious and God brought us together. And the last word that I want to share with you is that this is uh, where we are spiritually. End of the 2019, uh, last year, I preached that sermon on the Revelation chapter 2 about the Ephesian church. Jesus said to Ephesian church, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Ephesian, this passage has been very difficult passage for me a long time. Because basically Jesus said, if you don't return to first love, I'm going to remove you. I'm sort of a puzzle because I don't do a lot of things that I used to do for my wife, Jamie. But she never threatened that, uh, oh, you don't bring me flour and chocolate anymore, and uh, I'm going to leave you. She doesn't do that. What, what, why is it Jesus saying, you don't return to first love, I'm going to shut down your church? I was kind of, this is too harsh. It's hard to you know, swallow. And then I remember... What Jesus meant. Because if you look at the Acts chapter 19, efficient church at first, they were church on fire for sharing the gospel. They had a Bible study prayer meeting every day. So the entire Asia Minor heard about the Gospel of Jesus, and that town itself has a major spiritual awakening. Now, two generations later, by the time Book of Revelation was written, they have a strong Christian identity, but they stop evangelizing. They are building walls to protect their Christian identity. And this is the truth. When Christians stop evangelizing, we, start, we stop existing. Because our DNA is a proclaiming God's goodness to invite everybody to join him and his kingdom and enjoy God's Trinitarian fellowship through the church. That is what God created us for and they called us for. And I found out in our church, most of us are second, third generation Christians. Not many of us, only probably, you know, you and, I mean, and me and a few people are the first generation Christians. Most of you are second generation Christians. As a result, people in your clo- you know, friendship circle, they are already Christians. You grew up in the Christian church. Everything is kind of familiar. Christ is somebody who gives you comfort rather than awe and challenge. If we continue this one more generation with our children, we will be cultural Christian. And then Christianity never can be cultural Christianity. Christianity transcends the culture, transforms the culture. Otherwise, we will be succumbed by the I mean, we will be, we will be tamed by the culture conformed by the culture. So that's the, what I call the Ephesian crisis. And we want to make our church biblical church. By that I mean we want to be faithful to God's biblical command so that God can really expand his kingdom through us. We don't want to build our forest. We want to build God's forest. And that's what we want to remember, and that's what we want to rededicate again. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.